If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Highwood Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. This is episode 126 of the podcast. If you're new to the show, I want to welcome you. Highwood Health is your place for trusted health guidance and support. Whether you're looking to improve your health or just seeking ways to stay well, we're here for you. This growing community is on a mission to improve our state of being and experience together on the planet. I started this podcast as a way to explore ways to well-being and to improve the dialogue about a more integrative approach to care. Real collaboration and better communication is the key, in my opinion, uh, to improving care and health outcomes for us. And this conversation you're about to hear today is with one of those people in my network, someone I recommend and collaborate with. Before I get to that conversation, just a quick reminder that if you love the dialogue and resource you get here at Highway to Health, maybe you'd like to become a health amplifier today. While this show is a labor of love, your contributions are incredibly helpful for helping us build the content we've been creating since 2017. You can become a sponsor of the, for the price of a cup of coffee by going to patreon.com forward slash highway to health. Your support is greatly appreciated. So this conversation today is the first in a series that we'll be bringing you this year on birth, newborn support, and maternal care. Jen Bice is a certified childbirth educator, evidence-based birth instructor, certified breastfeeding counselor, and postpartum doula. After struggles with big decisions regarding her own childbirth 20 years ago, she's become known for her incredible resource and support for expecting parents. The decision to have a baby is, well, sometimes made for us, but oftentimes couples do put a lot of thought and energy into the timing, where they want to deliver, and the kinds of support they'd like to have, and figuring out what is covered by insurance and what they can afford to supplement. In an ideal world, we go into parenting armed with as much science-based information as we can find. And Jen has a ton of information and experience to share in this episode. If you'd rather watch us have this conversation, you can find it at Highwood Health Podcast channel on YouTube. And there's a link in the show notes here. Please enjoy my conversation with Jen Bice. So I'm, I'm curious about your work, um, partly because we know each other and I've, I've been hearing about it for a while, but also because I had no background kind of learning this before I went into having kids. And everything I've learned has been through the process of, of working with babies and new parents and having lactation consultants around me and, and doulas. So did you, did you get into this work because of, of interest you had in, in helping new mothers? Or was there a challenge on your end as a parent? Well, I too had pretty much not much knowledge or <laughs> knowing anything about birth or babies going into uh, my pregnancies, and I didn't have many friends who were who had already had babies by the time I did. So, okay. and, and I was not in this field at all. I was in um, I was in education and anthropology and was following a different path. And oh, wow. once I got pregnant, I 
started learning a little bit, but basically followed the lead of my OB, who was quite lovely and um, young and smart. And, uh, and I just, and I had met her, you know, in order to be my OB, I wasn't working with her before that. And I went for a walk with a woman in my building fairly late in my pregnancy, probably 30 something weeks, 30, you know, 31 or two. And she had just had her baby and she told me her birth story and she was walking with her baby, I think in a carrier. And I was walking with my baby in my belly. And she told me about her birth at um, a birth center attached to a hospital in New York City and about her doula. I didn't know much about doulas yeah. at the time. In fact, I might have never heard the word before <laughs> at that point. My kids are now 19 and, and 16. Uh, so this was 20 years ago. And I, so I listened to her story and I heard about this amazing team she had. She took a childbirth class. She had a doula. She had these great midwives she was working with. And she was going to be at the same hospital as me because that's where this uh, birthing center was. So I went to my OB, my next appointment, and I said, I've just learned about the birthing center at the hospital. I'm so excited to birth there. Can we plan to do it there? And she just said, oh, that's such a great idea for your second baby. But, you know, for this first one, just leave it up to me and and we'll we'll be fine in the regular part of the hospital. And I was sort of floored. I just had never thought that there would be... I would be sort of shut down but like yeah, that when I was yeah. asking questions about about birth now that I was so interested and excited about this right. per, you know particular way of feeling very supported um and being able to sort of work for a physiologic birth which I didn't know that term at the time but you know working yeah. my body and my baby working together to to have this process happen and then it wasn't presented to you as even an option you know until yeah. you figured it out for yourself yeah Exactly. So I was sort of, I think I went back to this person who was, you know, a friend, acquaintance in my building, talked to her about it. And she said, why don't you meet the midwives? And so mm. I went to an open house that these midwives were having and I really liked them. And they were able to take me on at 30 something weeks pregnant, which at this point, you know, it would be harder to do, but there are some practices that will do that. And I certainly advise people now uh, if they right. find that they're in the wrong relationship to do that. Yeah. So I switched practices. I hired her doula, kind of copied her, had a very mm -hmm. different birth from her, but yep. one in which I felt supported and respected and, you know, that I had a shared decision-making kind of situation. Yeah. And, and I, I, I happen to know your, your, your second as well. <laughs> so how did, yeah. how did the second, how did the second birth go? Yeah. So at that point, I just, I had learned a lot in the process, but I then had my son three years later and by then had become more intrigued by birth, learned a lot more about birth and was with these same midwives and uh, who I had been with before, a different doula, but I loved the second doula as well. And his birth was much faster and mm. I sort of knew a little more about what to expect along the way. And I was able to use a lot of comfort measures and I was able to be with the team and I felt extremely empowered. And it was a very beautiful, inspiring experience. Um, also, you know, easier physically for multiple reasons, right. but, but just was something that really inspired me. And after I had him and had, and in this birthing center, which I had originally planned to be in with the first one, um, which I did end up being with the first one, even though it was a very different birth. Um, but then 
I was home very quickly after that birth so that we could be with, with my daughter again. And I couldn't really let go of birth at that point. I, Hmm. I, we weren't planning to have more kids, but I wasn't ready to be done with birth. And so I thought a lot more about birth during that first year of his Hmm. life. And uh, at one point, my sister, who is totally not in the field, said, why don't you look into being a doula? And so I did. I looked into it. I talked to a bunch of different people, signed up for a doula training and was really quite hooked by the first uh, day of that initial training and went went on to be certified as a doula, work as a doula for about seven or eight years, and then sort of started to make a transition to teaching uh, childbirth education and was doing both for a while and, and have done other um, types of birth work, including postpartum work and lactation work, all of those postpartum doula work, yeah. all of those being things that I can do on a schedule where it's more predictable and not where I'm leaving at three in the morning. Right, right. Um, and, um, and, but now I'm mostly teaching childbirth classes. Uh, unlike our midwife friends. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, so, so what was it? Did, can you do, do you have any sense of what it was about about birth? About was it was it the, the process? Was it the, the way that you felt you were able to support, or what what was it about that? that drew you? Um, I well, in my own births, I think it was the experience of seeing how incredible, how how incredibly powerful the experience of birth is, and the sort of making of a mother or making of a parent mm. and that transition that happens from having this baby, growing this baby inside you through the process, not yeah. just then having the baby on the other side, but through this process of your, you know, your baby, my baby at the time and me working together yeah. to make this incredible experience happen and, and bring her and then him into the world. Um, it's just an incredible and amazing experience that, hadn't gotten my attention before and certainly doesn't get the attention of a lot of people, including a lot of pregnant people until they are, you know, 30 something weeks pregnant and start to pay attention to it and then start learning and think, wow, I've got so many choices and options that are available to me that I hadn't even thought about before. And then there are, of course, some people who never see that and end up either being satisfied with their births or not. But yeah, yeah. Basically, education and preparation, <laughs> once I realized the value of those in, in preparing for birth, made me realize this is something that I want to be a part of. And at first, that took the form of, of supporting people, you know, because my doulas were so supportive to me during my births. And, and I loved uh, being able to do that work and being able to witness birth so many times. It was it's, it's really Amazing. Yeah. I, I don't get to see the births, but I do. I mean, I, I, a lot of times I'll do prenatal work with the mother and, you know, see the baby afterwards. Actually, I just treated a baby yesterday that um, mom had a really difficult pregnancy and even got sick on my table, like <laughs> at the end of her pregnancy. It was just, but she was, she was nauseous, like her entire pregnancy, just one, you know, one of those d- very difficult pregnancies. But uh, but the baby has been really easy, <laughs> you know. So it's like, you know, as you as you say in your you know in your materials, like every experience is going to be different. And and it was it was it was so interesting to see how how easy this baby was. And also having worked with the mom, you know, while while he was in utero, seeing how responsive to my voice he was. Ooh. She was she was commenting right away, like 
he, he just got calm as soon as you started talking. Did you notice that? And I hadn't even touched him yet, you know? So there is, you know, and just to kind of maybe lead this into like, you know, the community of, of support that that's needed around this. And I've, and I've been fortunate enough to be part of that community. That was, was that something that also you felt like, oh, you started to see who all these different people were and, and how you, and how you worked together. Yes, I, I was lucky with my first um, to have a postpartum doula as well, who was wonderful. So that was my introduction, you know, having my yeah. my doula, my birth doula and my postpartum doula and these midwives who were very supportive, learning about that, how important that support is and getting the lactation help that I needed with, with my first. Um, then when I actually started to do birth work and was had the honor of being present and, and sort of supporting people through their own births, then it was just the most rewarding thing to be able to be someone who could be there at one of the most important times of people's lives. (laughs) So being able to be that support person at that point, and then being able to connect them to people who could support them further, whether it's lactation help or, uh, mental health support, um, postpartum doulas because at the time when I first started I wasn't doing that work as well so I you know being able to make all of those connections to people um to other birth worker people who could support uh, my clients was pretty incredible yeah. and since I've been in teaching connecting pregnant people pregnant couples with each other and that happens both in person, which is how I used to only teach, and on Zoom, which is how I've been teaching mostly for the last several years since COVID started, although I'm now also teaching in person, but the but the online classes continue. And yeah. even when people are in different states, there mm-hmm. is a connection that can come after several weeks of, you know, being on Zooms together where they share resources and, you know, in addition to the materials that the resources that I share with them, including people like you, yeah. um, you know, they share with each other. If they're in the same place, they can share practitioners, but also just sharing um, resources, sharing ideas. So I yeah. love that there is that community. Yeah. And it's, and I mean, I think you, I mean, you must have also felt that like, for whatever reason you had you had a real like ability to be this grounded person for, you know, for new parents, because that was one of the things that was surprised me about myself. Like I didn't realize I had that as a resource because I'd been working kind of with individual adults for a long time and I'd, you know, treated a few kids, but never, never like a, a family, especially in a family with going through a challenge, you know, and I felt like very good about that, that process. So that, that was for me, that was a surprise. I think you're right. That, that that comes as a surprise and something that that hopefully you're proud of. <laughs> and <laughs> right. as you pointed out to me, yes, that is something that that I feel very good about. Yeah. Yeah. So where where does where do you start then in terms of in terms of your in terms of this kind of childbirth education? Um, can you can you can you kind of take us through some of the you know basics? You you tend to start with people. Like, do you, is it before they become pregnant, after they get pregnant, some combination of that in the, in a group setting, probably, um, do you, yeah. do you work with single parents? I'm just kind of curious about how, where this all starts. 
I wish, as do many other, any, many of my colleagues, we wish that it would start before pregnancy uh -huh. so that people could learn about what their options are for choosing their care provider, which is probably the most important uh, thing because yeah. you're leading into your birth. Well, hopefully this and, will help people maybe be a little bit more proactive. <laughs> yeah. So I have had, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I've had people who... Others have referred to me who have moved from Europe or, you know, outside of this country who will call up and say, hi, I've just moved to New York. You know, what are what are the kinds of things I should think about? I'm either just pregnant or I'm about to, I'm planning to get pregnant. So I'd like to set up a care team. That's so great. Yeah. That is. And, and you know, evidence based birth, which which is um the curriculum that I've been teaching a lot lately has a particular class that is geared toward people who are either very mostly very early in their pregnancies to start getting them to think about what their options are and particularly the importance of using a care provider who you are aligned with. Yeah. But that is much more rare, I find, here in this country. And hopefully that's changing and people are starting to think about it earlier because people are talking about birth a little more. But the um, media representations of birth as just something where you you know, go into the hospital and push out your baby with a lot of screaming and yeah. not a lot of context. Those those representations persist. And so it is not everybody who sees and what birth can be yeah. and who understands, you know, the physiology of birth, labor and birth, which then sort of empowers you to understand how how your body can do this amazing work and right. how important it is to have a supportive team with you to help that process along and not just to sort of take over and run it. Right. You know? So so evidence-based, I'm, I'm guessing, means really looking at like the physiology, the science behind, you know, what we already know and, you know, just, just the kind of, the, I'm sure the, the basic mechanics of like how your body does something, who the people are that you are going to, encounter in a hospital all is it all that kind of stuff yeah i mean it really so evidence-based birth is a website that rebecca decker started uh she's a nurse with her phd and she started it basically for friends you can hear her story because she, on most of the um podcast episodes she has a great podcast okay, on most cool. of the podcast episodes she um starts off by just giving her a little blurb about herself so she started it just for friends um, in terms of who wanted to learn about birth and wanted data and evidence on sort of what the best practices were rather than just saying, okay, you walk into the hospital at however many centimeters you should be this far along. If not, you get this intervention, et cetera. Instead, yeah. what is the evidence behind all of this? So started yeah. out small and has really grown a lot. And then she developed this evidence-based birth childbirth class curriculum which is what I'm teaching now, um, which can be taught. It's a six-week curriculum. I often teach it as a five-week curriculum, combining okay. two of the sessions in the middle, um, which works well for a lot of people who haven't planned out that they want to take a six-week class. <laughs> right. um, uh, there are those who, who plan early and start early, which is wonderful, but you know we want to accommodate everybody. So the class really starts by focusing on the physiology of labor make sure that people understand the hormones of labor mm. you know how your your body um, and your baby work together to make and make use of the space available in your pelvis and what's actually happening during this rotation and descent of your baby 
and all the ways that your baby is proactive in the process as well with the cardinal movements through birth. And then, um, and, and by the way, this is a lot of videos and reading that you do at home. Okay. And then you come to the class sessions for discussions. So it's okay. it's the flipped classroom approach. And, and I feel like I'm more of a mentor than a teacher. Yeah, not I just like that a lot. Handing, yeah, not just handing people information. But here, you learn this stuff and then let's all discuss yeah. it and yeah. ask your questions. And yeah. So um, after that, then we talk a lot about the sort of what evidence-based care is, what evidence-based birth is. And it really has to do with, you know, knowing and, and she present, she provides a lot of evidence and data on her website about the different interventions, about best practices for um, mothers and babies. And uh, so that people can understand, you know, why am I being induced for my due date? Is that something that can be applicable to everybody. What are due dates? How are they, what are they based on anyway? Um, You know, looking at what kind of care you're getting, what kind, you know, who's actually in the, in the hospital, if you're having a hospital birth, like you were just saying, who are all these players? Um, What are their concerns? And, and then looking at uh, making sure that you have access to the evidence that you have a provider who practices based on the evidence. And then the third stool of this um, three-legged stool of of evidence-based care is your values and choices and making Mm. sure that you have the opportunity to ask all of the questions and and get all of the information you need to make the choices that work for you. So that if I have a class of six couples, they can get all of the information they need about the way birth works, the way Mm -hmm. that um, different interventions in the hospital may or may not work, the way that different practices in the hospital work, and then make their different choices. And they're probably going to be different from each other. Some will think the same, but some Mm -hmm. are going to read everything, see everything, and make a completely different choice than somebody else. And that's great. Oh, that's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. I love that. So, so, um, are, are you do you do you do mostly groups then when it comes to this stuff? Do you do do you do one on one education as well, like more more of like consulting? Uh, I do both. I <laughs> teach uh, the evidence based birth childbirth class um, every well either every other month or every month. I do a series and usually have five or six couples in those. I don't go higher than six because it gets a little unwieldy because those are all still on right. Zoom. Okay. Um, and they will probably continue on Zoom because it works really well like that. And because I have people from all over. I have a, a couple. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I have a couple from South Bend, Indiana in my current class. Okay. And it's great to yeah. hear about what's going on over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then I also do individual work. I just did a I just did a two session series with um, a couple who had a baby three years ago, uh, had a cesarean after a lot of hours of laboring and trying to have a vaginal birth. And now they're planning a VBAC and a vaginal birth after cesarean. And so um, they wanted a refresher and and we went into it thinking that they wanted a refresher (laughs) at comfort measures. And then we started talking about advocacy and the kinds of things that had happened last time that had made them feel that they weren't as supported in Uh. their birth situation. And, um, and then, and so we ended up doing one session on advocacy and, and, you know, her partner was really 
wanted to know specific things. You know, what could he say at what times? What's the language that he could use? And that's the kind of thing we work on in the evidence-based birth class. Yeah. Um, and then the second session we did was about comfort measures. But that actually, um, I had talked about where the evidence-based birth class goes after we sort of cover things about choosing your care provider and making sure that you, you know, have a care provider who is going to be aligned with your particular way of thinking and your approach to birth and and your ideas about how you would like to labor um, that and, you know, choosing a birth setting that will work for that. Then we go into, you know, what are the, um, what are the things that might have happen during your birth? What, if you're having a hospital birth, you know, what are the interventions? What are the benefits, risks, alternatives for all of those interventions? Mm -hmm. And how can you make sure that you're getting care, um, you're getting informed consent, that informed consent is being respected and followed. Yeah, yeah. And so, and and also making people understand, you know, making sure people understand that informed consent means also informed, the ability to do informed refusal. So informed mm -hmm. consent and understanding sort of what questions to ask to make sure that you're getting um, the best care is all a part of that. And then going through interventions and then also going through, um, you know, what happens postpartum and with um, breastfeeding for those who are breastfeeding and, and people and other alternatives to that as well. And, and so, what, what kind of, uh, just I'm, I'm curious about ad advocacy because uh, a little bit because of the experience I went through with my daughter who had meningitis at 12 days old and we spent a month in the hospital and some miscoordinations going on and some, you know, we, we had to have a, a, a pick line put in at one point that went into her carotid and they sort of told us this was the, this was the person they, they needed to wait for. And then when we got there, they were like, he's the, he's the only one in the hospital that does these things. And then we got there and he's first time doing it. And, and, you know, there were like a lot of things like that that went on in the hospital. And I was really frustrated at the end of like that whole process and I said something that apparently scared them because I said, I, I'm going to, I need to make sure this gets, you know, um, noted some way that I was told this thing and this is, this is what happened in the situation. And immediately they sent an advocate to the room. <laughs> so, and, and you know what, our, our entire, I mean, this was, this was like a weekend to a month and our entire experience changed from that point on from the, the choices and nurses we had coming into the room to like the communication that, that was going on through the whole thing, it, it completely changed. So it made me realize that like, oh, I, I didn't even realize I had a voice in this, in this scenario. Wow. I am really glad that you spoke up and I am horrified that it took your speaking up like that for the care to change to something that looked a lot better for yeah. you and your family. Thanks. Yeah. Um, that, but that advocacy part of it is, you know, in the birth part, you know, in the part leading up to having your baby, in addition to postpartum, you know, immediate postpartum, whatever it is that comes up for people, uh, is something that you, that for many people, because we really, we're, many people are pleasers. Like we want mm -hmm. to be their favorite. We yeah. want to be, you know, not rocking the boat. So, right. um, practicing advocacy is part of it, you know, advocating for yourselves to be able, you know, we learn all of the sort of ways that you can help yourself with comfort and all the alternatives for comfort measures. 
But it's no good learning those if you were going to arrive at the at your place of birth and you are going to be told to stay in the bed with monitors on the whole time, right. or you're going to be told that you can't get up and do the kinds of active things that you were planning to do in order to make yourself feel better and to you know help with gravity and movement of your right. baby. Or, or just be uncomfortable or suffering in any way and feeling like, well, this is, I guess, what the experience is supposed to be like. Yeah. So partners learning to advocate for you with, you know, specific, specifically role playing and trying different things so that you can, you know, I play the nurse and, and, or the OB if in the case of people not feeling as comfortable with their care providers, I'll play the nurse out over zoom and people, and I'll, you know, come in and say, I want to do a cervical check mm-hmm. and be insistent about that. And the partners will have to practice their advocacy mm-hmm. because their person doesn't want that right now. Mm-hmm. And so how are you going to convey that to me with kindness and love? You know, the different tickets that you, you have to learn communication skills. Yeah. You, you don't, if something gets to the point of, we are not being treated well, she is not being treated well, and we need to stand up and say no, that's rare, but mm-hmm. then you need to be able to say no. But, uh, but you know, normally it's just standing up for what will help her, you know, and what will help um, her to be able to follow her birth plan. We, we talk a lot about birth plans. I'm a huge mm-hmm. advocate of, of writing up, um, you know, what your birth preferences or plan are. And um, so practicing and also having a doula. So having a birth doula, I mean, there are lots of studies showing that having a doula in the room will reduce your risk of cesarean because of lots of different things, including doulas being able to help you to stay home as long as possible and not arrive at the hospital if you're planning a hospital birth um, until you're further along and less likely to have as many interventions. And also supportive care, emotional support, and advocating for you once you're at your place of birth and reminding you or your partner to advocate for yourselves. Mm -hmm. So those kinds of things are super important. Um, And then it can, can, you know, and, and these are also skills that will continue for the rest of your life, the rest of your caretaking life in terms of your kids and also for yourselves in in other um, medical or other situations. So I've learned a lot from teaching the evidence-based birth class in terms of advocacy that I use in, in daily life as yeah. well. So, so in terms of in terms of planning, are there are there like kind of very specific basic points that that you feel like people need to get solid on, and then ones that they obviously like you know best laid plans things are going to go yeah. in, in different directions. But are there are there are there are there ones that you try to get people to be really solid about before the, before going? Choice of care provider. Choice of care provider, which is why we sh- the yeah. earlier the better. That is truly the best, I mean, <laughs> the biggest thing, because if you have a care provider who you feel comfortable with, who you feel respects your very large role in this <laughs> birth that's about to happen um, and will help you to do the things that you you know, think are important in terms of your, um, your comfort and your movement and all of that. If you have that person lined up, then you are going to have a better experience no matter what comes your way. That person is going to be there to help you understand your options along the way so that if it does come, you know, most births are not an emergency situation. The vast majority of births are not an emergency situation, but if it does come to 
a need for an intervention, then if you have somebody who you've had good communication with throughout your pregnancy, who you can feel aligned with, then when that if that person says, okay, now we need to take this action, then you yeah. can feel confident that that it's truly needed and that it's not just a routine use of a procedure um, that might have been avoided. Yeah. So choice of care provider is the crucial thing. And sometimes, you know, I have people in my classes who come to the first or second class and then email me for, at least the New York people, email me for suggestions for changing care providers. Okay. So it it is extremely important. So I think that's the most important thing. And then other than that, really learning what your, you know, physical and emotional um and sort of mind-body options are for comfort, practicing so many different things, including, you know, breathing and and visualization and relaxation and all kinds of comfort um, measures and techniques so that if once it comes time for your birth, you and your partner can choose from all of them. And maybe one thing you thought was going to be great turns out to be something you don't want at all. But right. that's okay because you have... X number of other things in, in your tool tool bag to pull out and use. And all those things that you can do at home, as well as understanding the options that are available for you for medical support in the hospital, um, if, if that's what you choose. How much do you get into like um, self-care um, or, you know, other, other kinds of, of maybe non-traditional care for, for pregnant mothers. Cause I've, I've done a lot of, um, uh, not, not as much these days, but you know, like 10, 15 years ago, I did a lot of work with a lot of prenatal movement work with, with women. And so, and, and with expecting dads as well. <laughs> and, and I, and I felt like there was, there was something really important about that as it related to recovery as well. And, but also just for some of the physiological stuff that happens during the pregnancy. I was just wondering if you, yes. if you go into that stuff. Absolutely. I um, very much recommend and send resources about and links about exercise, you know, pelvic floor work that you can mm. do, ball exercise or birth ball um, work that people can do and, you know, giving them specific links and videos so that they can work on things and practice things that will help with their, you know, alignment with their pelvic floor strength. And I plant a lot of seeds about having, you know, doing body work. And yeah. I talk about craniosacral therapy a lot, both for people who are getting ready to have their babies and for babies once the yeah. babies are born. Yeah. I talk about, you know, I talk about you. I talk about the importance of um, of alignment, you know, pelvic alignment. And also of what happens when the baby comes out and the baby has trouble breastfeeding or, mm -hmm. you know, can't turn their head a certain way, that these are not just things to ignore or think, oh, this is a normal baby thing. But no, yeah. this is something that we can work on, you know, yeah. so that there are resources. I talk, you know, I, I talk about pelvic floor therapists. Um, Acupuncture. And acupuncture and acupressure acupressure is actually part of so that partners can do it themselves oh, that's awesome um, yeah, cool. training and acupressure is part of the course that i teach um and so yes i talk a lot about body work and i and and some people's insurance will cover these things right, and so i right. definitely recommend that people look into their insurance and what they can can do both for themselves um before having their babies and 
after birth for themselves and for their babies. And, and a lot of doulas, I mean, most doulas have some kind of, um, they learn some techniques for you know, like acupressure techniques, but there are a lot of doulas I know that are also massage therapists. And so they'll, they'll, they'll work both, you know, sort of prenatally if there's stuff that comes up, sometimes there's like, as you know, like stuff that happens around the, the tailbone or on the sacral area. A lot of sciatica becomes sort of a common thing towards the end of the pregnancy. And then, yeah. and then, you know, stuff comes up during delivery too. I mean, that's the other thing that, you know, it's sort of to have someone there with skilled hands during that time can really sort of alleviate things too, without having to, you know, use medical pharmaceutical intervention. Absolutely. I mean, I, it, for New York, you know, I have people that I recommend to people for massage, for craniosacral work, for acupuncture, and for chiro work. Yeah. I'm very picky about my chiro suggestions. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, all of the suggestions. Yeah, but yeah. So I, and then in other places, you know, I either look up or I ask for references to other instructors who live in other areas to try to get people the resources they need. But, you know, really sort of, it's it's something that a lot of people haven't thought about. I didn't think about it. I didn't know about it when I was pregnant. And yeah. so these are the kinds of things I wish I had known about. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, try, helping, trying to help people learn about all of these options available to them to to help them be as prepared, you know, physically for birth as possible. And, and how far into the education, like as, as part of the programming, do you also go into, into some of the postnatal post-birth um, work as well? Is that is that something that that's part of the coursework? So for the evidence-based birth course, the, the last class is half of it is a labor rehearsal. Okay. Um, and, and then the second half of that class is looking at the materials for that week, which are about postpartum planning and breastfeeding okay. and okay. really emphasizing the importance of postpartum planning. And part of that is making sure you have the resources you have, including people, you know, people's names yeah. um, for lactation health, for body work, um, for mental health services, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Um, and, and part of that is just making sure that people understand that the two of them do a lot of things that they are not going to be able to do or won't have time to do once yeah. they have the baby. And that once they have the baby, you know, her job, the birthing person's job is to take care of the baby and take care of herself. So that means whatever she was doing before needs somebody else to do. Right, right. <laughs> and and partners are needing to support their the the new um, you know, mother and the new baby in their job of only feeding and, you know, recovering. So yeah. who's going to do all of that work? So making mm -hmm. sure that people really sort of look at it concretely and say, are we going to have the support we need? You know, who's going to cook for us? Who's going to clean? Who, you know, are we going to plan in advance? Are we going to have a meal chain? How are we going to get all of this in place to make this as smooth as possible? Given that postpartum, postpartum realness is real. Yeah. <laughs> And and, uh, and, and, have, have, and have difficult conversations sometimes that you might not realize are going to be difficult conversations before the baby's born, like with, you know, grandparents or with other, you know, potential care providers so that, you know, sometimes you don't need all of the support, but sometimes something just happens and then all of a sudden you need all hands on deck, just that they know that that's kind of going to be the, that they're part of the game plan and that you're getting an agreement basically that, yes, I'm, 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 I'm up for this. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And um, we're the same age. I don't know if you grew up with Free to Be You and Me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that song about some kind of help is the kind of help that helping's all about. And some kind of help is the kind of help we all can do without. I always think this in in my head every time we're talking about this, because, you know, and I don't usually use the quote, but making sure that people understand they need to differentiate, you know, who's a who's coming to help and who's coming to visit. And you want the helpers, not the visitors. Yeah. And and there's. There are some generational things that are like, you know, sort of unsolicited advice things that became the norm for certain people. And I hear this a lot in my practice, like my, my mother-in-law keeps thinking this should be the, the, you know, the way things go, or they don't understand breastfeeding or, you know, and because it wasn't part of their, their process, it wasn't part of that generational process. So I think in some ways it's, it's, you know, if you have that plan in place that you're working on, you can start to share it with those care providers. And there's, there's like a pretty clear, I mean, a lot of this is about kind of managing the, you know, setting boundaries and sort of managing the, the, the environment that you're about to go into too. Yeah, absolutely. So getting people to think about that and and they're supposed to write. I mean, for homework, I don't, you know, enforce it entirely, but they are supposed <laughs> to it. write, a, you know, a, a postpartum plan and really be paying attention to all this. And I send resources and, and they get resources as part of the class that sort of help to point out the kinds of things that people cover in a postpartum plan. But really, you know, encouraging people to write it down. Yeah. So I don't know that much about postpartum doulas. Can you explain that really quickly, just like what what that role is and how long that goes for? Yeah, I mean, it varies on both what the role is and how long it can go for. Some people, usually there's a package that postpartum doulas will have of certain number of hours okay. that would be at least six and, and sometimes a lot more than that. Okay. And that could be, you know, three two-hour sessions um, or as I said, many more. And and postpartum doulas vary, just like doulas, uh, birth doulas who will vary in terms of what their specialty is. You might have a postpartum doula who is a trained massage therapist. You might have one who's a lactation counselor. A lot. I mean, everybody who's a postpartum doula has some amount of lactation training, but some have gone further with that than others. Um, and there are some who are wonderful chefs who will help with nutrition and, you know, Plant meal planning um, and even cooking for you. And if you have another child already, there are some who are going to help out also with sort of that transition for that child and, mm-hmm. and helping basically every any way that um, she can help a new parent transition as, as well as possible into yeah. this new role and, and, you know, coach you on basically... And physically recover too, right? Physical and emotional recovery. Yeah. So it yeah. might be like... Yeah. How do you do this first immersion bath, you know, once yeah. the, once the cord stump comes off? Like, how do we do this? How Or massage for, for you know, the birthing parent who needs the kind of thing that you were just talking about. Yeah. Um, or lactation support. Lactation support is, is a pretty big one. And then yeah. if you have something that needs, you know, that they're not trained for, that needs more clinical attention, then referring you to an IBCLC or somebody who's, you know, got more letters behind their name in terms of lactation yeah. support. And we're, and we're going to have one on the podcast here as part of this series. So we'll kind of, right. we'll kind of go into that too, which will be good. Yeah. Um, um, and referring people to, you know, craniosacral therapists, that, all of that is, is part of what um, postpartum doulas will do, but basically, you know, helping mm-hmm. you to, 
to um, to make that transition and and feel supported along the way. Yeah, I feel like it's just, it's a, it's a, it's another piece that I feel like from. I, I tend to be part of that, you know, and sometimes I see people who haven't had a whole lot of support, especially if it's a single parent, um, but but just not, they, they don't have quite enough support around them for the emotional components of what's going on. And sometimes it's just having a, a very, you know, simple exchange to be able to express like I'm struggling with this thing or whatever. And that's really how I'm sure those postpartum doulas uh, or, you know, in, in a lot of cases too, lactation consultants will then say, okay, now we need to branch out to this next, you know, resource because that's, yeah. that's how we know. So it's, and I, that's part of the reason for doing the series was I wanted to make sure that people understood there's a lot of resources out there. And I noticed on your, your website is yourpreparedbirth.com. Is that right? Yes. Um, and I'll put that in the show notes so people can just link right to it. Um, but you have a ton of resources in there f from everything from like websites to different apps that you can use and, and, and any of that kind of stuff. Is there anything that, that, you know, of that list maybe that you can share real quickly, just like a couple of that, a couple of them that you pretty much always recommend? A couple of them that I recommend. Uh, that's hard. It is a very a long list. Yeah, <laughs> it's a long list. And I aim to continually update it. But although, you know, most of the ones, especially in that first section, which includes evidence-based birth, it includes Lamaze.org, um, I think Childbirth Connection, um, Basically, there are a lot of there are a lot of sites as you go further down that list that are more specific. Like there's a breastfeeding right. section, yep. um, but those top resources that really have great information and evidence based information on sort of most topics in yeah. in childbirth, um, pregnancy, childbirth, and um, those ones are um, probably the key ones I would look at to begin with. I mean, okay. really, if you're, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and then if you're specifically looking at, you know, um, the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, then sort of skip down to that lower part. Gotcha. But okay. um, yeah. And it's, pretty, I, it's pretty well organized down there. I, got, I was just wondering if there's any of them that for, for you, you're like, you know, make sure you check out this website or make sure this, this book is in on your shelf or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, yes, I always advise people to, um, to read the birth partner by Penny Simkin, especially partners to read the birth partner. Uh, okay. And so, and, and, you know, love Penny Simkin's resources and always refer people in my classes and anybody really to, to her work. Um, and, Yes, there are a lot of amazing books and resources, and some will apply, will appeal more to other people, and some will appeal, okay. you know, others. So I basically try to just list a lot. Um, and and the other thing is, you know, I was certified by Lamaze to teach childbirth classes, and their six healthy birth practices are the way that I, you know, I don't specifically teach them in the evidence-based birth class because that's not how it's structured, but they all are, you know, they all come through. In other classes that I teach, I also teach for um, Boober in New York City, and I teach their in-person classes. And we always, I always list through what those healthy birth practices are and, you know, where they come from, what they mean, and, and always advise people to look further into them on the website because they really are a way to structure um, your preparation and education about birth. So, okay. um, yeah, I find Lamaze and evidence-based birth are both just 
looking at what are the best things that you can do for the best outcomes for and, mothers. And just kind of a good place to start for overview of, of what you're about to kind of, and then you can, depending on what you're, you know, what you feel challenged by, you can kind of go into specific areas and, and research more. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, there's so much now that you're asking me. There's Sarah Buckley <laughs> in England. She's incredible. Um, and, um, sorry, there's Sarah Buckley in Australia. There is this woman, Sarah Wickham okay. in, um, in England. Um, so there are people all over the world. And so, yeah, I try to keep as many resources and, as I and can. And a lot of that's on your site. So we'll just, we'll, we'll just drag yeah. people to your site, but I was just curious to see if there was anything in that you felt like really specific about. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I feel like this is yeah. one of those things that I've been wanting to do for a while to try to, to try to, you know, get this resource to the surface. I know I've just, over the last year, as you were putting things together, I was starting to see like, oh, this is, this is stuff that I feel like I've been wanting to get to. And, and I, a lot of times what I'll do is when I get a parent in who doesn't have very much resource, I'll direct them to like your site or to, to other places. So it's just, I mean, you've done amazing work for people already. So I appreciate that. And for me, <laughs> so thank you for doing that. And, and thanks for taking the time to do this with me. Thank you. I've completely enjoyed speaking with you. And I'm so grateful to have you in, in my life and my son's life as, you know, our craniosacral therapist. And of course, I wish that I had known you from when I had <laughs> my babies, but you know, you live and learn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. It's been great working with you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jen. Jen Bice, folks. As always, it's my hope that from these conversations, you're able to make better decisions, not only for your own health, but for the experience that you'd like to have. As my kids are getting older, I'm realizing what an amazing opportunity being a parent has been for me in so many ways, and how fortunate I am to have colleagues like Jen around for support, not only in my professional life, but in my personal life as well. So thanks for taking the time to record this one with me. So this year, I'll be bringing you a whole host of conversations on birth, newborn, and maternal care over the next few months. Let me know if there's any topic that you'd like to see covered. You can reach out to me anytime at jeremy at highway2.health. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.